Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Good morning, you may be seated. Glad you are here today to celebrate the resurrection with us. If you are our guest, um, we would love to have a record of your time with us. We'd love to just reach, we won't sell your name to somebody else. We won't, we won't harass you or anything like that. We just like to get to know you a little bit better and, 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 and thank you for visiting with us. In fact, if you didn't on your way in, uh, if, you're, if this is your first time with us, if you didn't receive a very special gift that uh, our greeting team has for you, on your way out today, there's a tent. Uh, stop by there. We got a very special gift for our first time guest. Also, if you're a guest with us uh, today, we would love it uh, for you to know that we're going to, we'll take up an offering at the end of our service. We don't want you to feel compelled to participate. We, we'd like for you to receive this service today as a, just a gift to you. Uh, we, we want you to know that. Uh, that. That time of the service is really for uh, our, our home folk, as we like to call ourselves. We are glad you're here. It's amazing to me to think that all around the globe today, people are gathered in settings like this, some uh, in smaller settings, some in much larger and grander settings. Settings, some under trees, uh, worshiping and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus in every language and time zone. Man, it's crazy when you stop and, and just really think about people all over the world celebrating uh, the resurrection. Have, have you ever come upon something that just excited you so that you wanted to shout? You know, are, are there some things in this life that are worth shouting about? Yeah, there are some things, you know. If your neighbor's house is on fire... Somebody ought to shout. If, if it's my house and you're my neighbor, shout. You know, I remember uh, about 15 years ago, we were driving from Rocks Pond Campground going into Utahville, and we passed a house, and I was sure it was on fire. And so we turned around and came back, and sure enough, the smoke was actually coming out of the house. They weren't burning leaves in the yard or something like that. And uh, I started running around the house hollering, trying to see if anybody was in the house, and we'd never hurt anybody. And so I decided I'm going to go up to the porch and go in, and the door was locked, and I decided, I'm going to bust the door down. So I back up, get a running start, take off, and about the time my foot was about to leave the ground, I think, if I go through this door and there are flames on the other side, I'm toast. Thank God, I hit the door and bounced off. That's the honest God's truth. They hit the door and bounced off. Kathy was a witness. Um, and so finally I thought, if there's somebody in there, i got to get So I kick the door in. I go in. I start kind of crawling in. And smoke is coming out. It's everywhere. And about that time, when I hear somebody outside hollering. A neighbor had come out. So I ran back outside. And they said, the person that lives there is gone. They're, they're at work or something like that. I don't even remember what they said. And I was just, you know, it was incredible. But somebody needed to shout. Your house is on fire. You know, there's some other things worth shouting about, some exciting news. Did y'all hear about the woman in Monk's Corner who last week won like $200,000 in the lottery? And she's going to stay completely anonymous. And she said this. She said, I'm not even going to tell my kids. <laughs> Can you imagine a mother? I know some of you are sitting next to your mom right now kind of eyeing her wonder, Mom, is that you? 
you know? I'm not even going to tell our kids. that. Some of you may remember back in 2012, uh, there was that superstorm Sandy. And after the storm, there was this guy in New York who uh, you know, did lawn work. And he was cleaning up a lawn. He was raking up wet leaves. And in it found a ticket, a lottery ticket. And took it home and dried it off. Sure enough, it had been the winning ticket. So he took it to the claims office uh, on Long Island. And they said, you got to wait a year. And after a year, nobody had claimed it. And they gave that guy a million dollars, you know. And guess what he did? He told everybody. I mean, he shouted it everywhere he went. He just, he, he, he went, went, went crazy about it. I remember hearing another story of a guy who said, he said, I can give you eternal life. I read this story, in fact, more than once. And people killed him because he said that. Could you imagine that? And so what happened was three days after they had buried him, stuck him into a tomb in the ground, he rose from the dead. Folks, that is something we're shouting about. That is, that is incredible news. He got back up and he changed the world. How many of y'all ever used to listen to a country band? I know some of you are going to have to out yourself. Called Alabama. Anybody remember Alabama? Yeah. You remember, can't keep a good man. At, today, on Resurrection Sunday, I think Christians all over the world ought to be singing. You can't keep the God man down. You, you can't. You, you can't keep him down. He's, he's raised from the dead. God inspired King David. King David wrote most of the book of Psalms as we have it. It's mostly songs. But um, David wrote these Psalms. And there's a trilogy of Psalms about the coming Messiah that was being prophesied. And it, you can find those in Psalm chapter 22, 23, and 24. And in Psalm 22, part of that Psalm is about the suffering. And, and actually David prophesied that the Messiah would one day shout, My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? That's how that psalm starts out. But as that psalm builds, it, it moves from the anguish of the cross and the humiliation and the degradation. The psalm begins to completely change. You can go back and read it later on. It moves from anguish to accomplishment of the cross. So that by the time you get to the end of chapter 22, what it's talking about in verse 30 and 31 is the generations are going to know. The children are going to serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. And that's the truth about that. The Holy Spirit inspired David a thousand years before Jesus would come to write those words because he knew. And Jesus knew that 3,000 years after David was inspired that you would gather and you would be part of that generation of children's children's children who are proclaiming the goodness. You're declaring in worship who Jesus is. And that crowd just grows and gets bigger. Our two who, who baptize and proclaim the resurrection through their baptism day. Just part of that growing. Just echo that shouting about the resurrection. I don't know if you know this, but that was about all the apostles who wrote the New Testament wrote about. They just, over 300 times, they are talking about the resurrection of Jesus. That, that was the focus of everything that they did. They just, they wanted to shout it out. Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to shout something. Just because we're talking about shouting, okay? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the world's most famous clock. Don't shout it yet. I'm going to count to three. But when I get to three, I want you to shout out the world's most famous clock. Okay, you ready? One, three. Big Ben. Big ben. That's kind of what I figured you would say. So we got a picture of, of Big Ben up here. 
This, this is Big Ben. Back in 2010, um, I, I took a group from our church and we went over to, to London. And while we were in London, we were meeting some of our uh, international missionaries and church planters over there. And one of the things I learned while I was there was that Big Ben, the chimes of Big Ben, actually correspond to measures from Handel's Messiah. And, and the part of the Messiah, the Handel's Messiah that's being sung is, the chimes correspond to, I know my Redeemer lives. Blew me away. That every day, Londoners, the most famous clock in the world, get up and they set their lives, they navigate their days by the resurrection. I know my Redeemer lives. I want you to hear the chimes. Can we play that audio file? Listen to the chimes. Okay, keep that because you're going to use that in just a minute, okay? I think all of us should set our lives to that message. Set our, set our, our clocks, our schedules, our lives around that idea that my Redeemer lives. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to I give you my sermon summarized in four words. Okay, here's, here's a sermon summarized in four words. And it's about the resurrection. And here's what it is. We'll go back and talk about it. But the, the four words are come, see, go, tell. Come, see, go, tell. Now we're going to sing it together by those chimes. You ready? Come, see, go, tell. Come, see, go, tell. Sing it with me. Come, see, go, tell. Come, see, go, tell. You just preached. There's the sermon right there. You, 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 just, you nailed it. And we're going to see that come alive, those chimes, those words of invitation from the angel that the Lord sent. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 28. You're going to see, you're going to see that song just kind of jump off the pages. In Matthew chapter 28, we're going to start reading in verse 1 and we're going to continue on. Verse 1, we read these words. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Folks, that was an angel with an attitude. That, he, he had an attitude, man. He said, I'm not going to just roll this. I'm going to sit on it. I, I don't know if you realize this. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. The stone, in my opinion, got rolled away so people could go in and see it was empty. Jesus didn't need an angel to roll a stone away. That was so we could see, that we would know that, that the tomb was empty. Let's keep reading. It goes on to say, verse 3, His appearance, this angel, was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled. They were, they were guarding a dead guy. You know, it doesn't happen very often. The guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Did you get that? That he said he was going to rise, and he is risen. The grave could not hold him. The angel said, He's not here. He's risen, just as he said, come. We'll see the place where he lay. Then, go quickly 
and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I told you. So they, being the women, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Now on that first resurrection, that resurrection day, this angel came and gave four instructions, four directions, four invitations, if you would. And I want us to look at those today. And that first word was the greatest ever invitation ever given. He said, come. He said, he said, come. Now, there would be a lot that could keep someone from showing up at a tomb. You know, it's just not the place that you want to go. Sometimes they can be a little bit spooky. Uh, they're not like the place that most people go and just kind of hang out, they, especially when it's dark, you know. Um, I, I will tell you that I have at times enjoyed going through some of the old cemeteries in Charleston and looking at some of the really old graves and tombs and some of the things that, that are written on them. But I know like when, when I was, we were over in England, we think we have old cemeteries here. Man, they have some really old cemeteries there. Last year at this time, Kathy and I were in Germany visiting our son who's stationed there. And while we were there, one of the things we did was we toured lots of churches in Germany. And not only do they have cemeteries outside their churches, they got people buried in the walls, man. I mean, right in the walls of the church. Some of them had people buried like in the pulpit area. You know, I, I, I'm grateful that I don't have to preach to dead people. I know some pastors feel like that. I'm grateful I don't. You, you're a happy group. But I just, I can't imagine, man, like preaching on top of dead people. You know, but that's, that's what they did. But here's, here's the thing. Fear could have kept those women away just because, you know, tombs are kind of creepy places at times. Another thing that could have kept them, caused them to back up, was when the angel said, he's not there. I mean... The, the tomb's empty. They, they came to see a body. They, they came to, to, to pay respects. They came to kind of actually anoint Jesus' dead body. They were expecting a, a, a corpse. They weren't expecting something empty. So that could kind of maybe make them a little afraid. They probably wondered who moved it. The body. And if, if they moved it, they, will they come back? You know, they might have also been a little frightened about those guards, you know, that, that might have kept them away, knowing that there were going to be guards there, but I would imagine when they got there and those 10 to 16 guards were kind of looking dead, that might have freaked them out, might have caused them to turn the other way, because I mean, these were, these were scrapping guys, you know, these, these were warriors and they were just kind of laid out, that could have, could have made them afraid, remember the angel came and sat on the stone and they became like dead men, because they were afraid, so it, it, they could have been intimidated, the guards were going to be there, or when they found them there, they could have, they could have been fearful, that the same thing might happen to them, but what they got from the angel was this beautiful word, come, it's this great word of invitation. And you know who used that word all the time? Jesus. Jesus, you'll never, you'll never read in the gospel accounts of Jesus' life. You'll never see Jesus say, go away, you're bothering me. I, I ain't got time for you. Jesus, did, Jesus always said, come. Jesus always invited people to walk with him and, and to follow him. And, and I might add, just in case you didn't know this, his invitation to everyone is to come follow him from earth to heaven one day. Make that long trip one day. 
That he, he says, come, that we might follow him. One day, there were some men who were curious. They had been disciples of John the Baptist, and, and they were curious about Jesus. And so, one of them approached them and said, Rabbi, which means teacher. You read about this in John 1. Where are you staying? You know what Jesus said? Come and see. Jesus always gave this invitation. There was a day when the disciples, uh, some parents wanted Jesus to lay hands on and pray for their children. And disciples were trying to keep them away. And Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me. Lots of people came to Jesus. He always extended that invitation. Sometimes even to people that he knew wouldn't come. There's a story in, in Matthew chapter 19, an account of a, of a wealthy guy. A young guy with lots of influence. He was referred to as a ruler. And he came to Jesus looking for uh, eternal life. He wanted to know how to receive eternal life. And Jesus' admonition to him was, Come, follow me, let go of everything else. Come, follow me. And that guy couldn't do it. He couldn't let go of stuff in his life. And interestingly enough, I, I've wondered... What would it have been like? Because just, I, I, have a, I have a sanctified imagination, just so you know. And so I imagine things. And I, I imagine, what would it have been like, since this guy was kind of a leader in, in his nation, he was probably Israeli, and what would it have been like had he been in town for Passover, like most every good Jew would have been at this time, what would it have been like for him to have, have been at the crucifixion of Jesus? Because Jesus told him to let go of stuff and come and follow him. Wonder what it would have been for him to experience Jesus offering eternal life to a thief on the cross. Let me show you. Yes, I heard what he said. I heard very well what Jesus told that man, that thief hanging on the cross next to him. And it was drastically different than what he told me. The day I encountered Jesus, I fell to my knees right in front of him. He had my respect from the start. I wasn't looking for some handout. I explained that I had already done the good work. But I just needed to know. Was I missing something? Was there some good thing I had to do to inherit eternal life? Sell all I possess. That's what Jesus told me. Sell it all and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. Yeah, right. I had always been taught that salvation was a reward for a life full of good works. It's not some handout for people who can't muster up enough courage or character to earn it. My wealth is a sure indication of the favor that rests upon me from God. I asked to receive eternal life. But somehow, that disgusting shell of a man, he's the one who gets it? God told him, Jesus told him, that the day he died, he'd be in paradise. He was the thief. But I was treated as if I had been robbing God all along even though this thug couldn't bleed a drop of goodness that he hadn't borrowed, no, stolen from the righteous man hanging in front of him. But somehow I took, I was treated as if I had robbed him. I did what I had to do. That man offered nothing. All he could do was plead for mercy. 
And that's how he got it? Like it was just some, some gift? Jesus' invitation to come was not to come and prove yourself worthy. Jesus' invitation to come was to come follow him because you're not. You and I, we're, we're not worthy. If we come seeking some kind of deal with Jesus, we're coming to the wrong place and we're coming in the wrong way. And my question, the big question that I need to just extend to you today is this. Have you come to Jesus, not, not the way of the rich and ruler, but have you come to Jesus like the repentant thief on the cross next to Jesus and just said, Jesus, remember me. I don't deserve it. There's nothing I can bring to you. And you know what Jesus said to him? Come. Come, come be with me in paradise. And Jesus wants to say the same thing to you. He is saying the same thing to you. The question is, have you responded to Jesus' invitation for you to come? Now, I, I want to tell you, so that you can kind of begin preparing your heart today maybe. We're going to give you that invitation later in the service for you to come to Jesus. And I, and I hope you understand how, how refreshing that word is. Especially when it was given in a day in a religious system that was not inviting the religious system in Jesus' day that Jesus kind of grew up under was not inviting, it was intimidating. It wasn't characterized by open, welcoming arms saying, come. It was, it was closed off. There were closed arms and scours that followed the, the faces of that. And it caused people to, to want to stay away. I remember reading uh, an article about a very interesting wealthy couple from Illinois. Their names were Jim and Linda Onan and they decided they wanted to build kind of a unique home for themselves. So uh, in Wadsworth, Illinois, they built a 7,000 square foot pyramid and they covered it in 24 karat gold licks on the outside. You can see pictures of it online if you want to do that. Uh, it recently caught on fire not long ago, I think. I've seen pictures of it. And they were, they were planning to do all these kinds of things. They actually built kind of a moat around it. And they actually petitioned to be able to put sharks in their moat. Now, I don't think those were the kind of people that, you know, extended lots of dinner invitations. You know, I think they were saying, don't come around here. You know, I, I think uh, that would have been one of those houses I'd have said to my kids, we ain't trick-or-treating there, okay? Just, they, they weren't, they couldn't have been welcoming people, you know? They, they just couldn't. And the, the religion of that day was kind of like that. It was filled with sharks. It was intimidating. It, it said, stay away. First way that it was kind of intimidating was it was very restrictive. It was a very restrictive religious system. The religious leaders of that day, most of them were known as, as Pharisees. There were about 6,000 of them, historians tell us, at any one time. They were a very tight-knit, very restrictive group. One day, Jesus said something. This was about the nicest thing Jesus ever said about them. He said, they crush people with impossible religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. About the nicest thing Jesus ever said about that group. 
that not only was it restrictive, it was also overprotective. Those religious leaders thought that what they needed to do was they needed to take the beautiful laws of God and they needed to kind of use them to build a fence to protect people. Probably was their motivation. But here's the deal. Every time you build a fence to keep people in, guess what you also do? You keep somebody else out. And there was a lot of keeping people out. And so many people in Jesus' day felt like they were kept out, kept away from worshiping God. In fact, if you went to the temple 2,000 years ago, one of the things you would have found, if you were a man, there was a pretty nice place for you to kind of hang out. If you were a woman, a not so nice place. But if you were a non-Jew, if you were a Gentile, that was everybody else who wasn't Jewish, they basically kind of kept you behind the fence and they kept you there at the threat of death if you crossed into their space. Not, not a welcoming place at all. Very restrictive in, in, in their worship. It, it was not only that, it was also a negative place. The Jewish religious system in Jesus' day made you feel no matter how hard you worked, just made you feel like you'd never measure up, that you would never be good enough for connection with, with God. On one occasion, Jewish leaders came to Jesus and said, you can read about this in Matthew chapter 15. They said, why do your disciples disobey age-old tradition? And basically, here's what they said. They don't wash their hands before they eat. I mean, I, I kind of thought I was hearing my mom's voice echoing in my head, you know. She would accuse me of that. On another occasion, Jesus healed a man who had been lame from birth on the Sabbath. And Jesus told him, take up your mat and walk. And so the guy gets up and for the first time in his life, he's able to carry this mat that he's been laying around on. He's totally healed. The gospel writer John records in John 5 how the religious leaders respond. Here's their response. You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. It, it wasn't, oh my goodness, you're walking. How, how incredible is that? No, they, they went negative. So just, just imagine in a world like that, in a system like that, a religious system, imagine how refreshing it was for people to hear Jesus say things like this about coming to God. He said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. I love, I love the way that the message translates that. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Jesus says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Such different words. Completely different ways of looking at life. So here's the question again. Have you come to that Jesus? Not the Jesus of religion. Not the Jesus where you got to try to earn. Have you come to the Jesus that says, come? And you can rest in what I've done for you. Come and you can rest. Now, I want you to know how glad I am, how glad we are that you came here today to worship and celebrate the risen Savior. But as, as grateful as we are that you came here, it is more important to us to know this. Have you personally come to Jesus? Do you know Jesus because he's open-armed and open-handed. He's not closed-fist when it comes to you. He wants to embrace you. Have you come to him? The second invitation, second direction that the angels give after come was he said, come and see. Come, come see 
Remember verse 6, he said, the angel said, he's not here for he's risen. And he said, come see the place where he lay. And that word see means to come in and perceive. Come in, come in and connect to this. Come in and experience it. Come and have an encounter. Come, come check it out. Come investigate. If, if, the, if the word come was an invitation, the word see is investigation. It, it, he's saying, come and really dig into this. Come experience. Come have an encounter yourself. You know, he, it, 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 here's the deal about Jesus. In the Christian faith. We don't have anything to hide. We don't have any. We, we would invite you to come. And just hang out with us. And explore the truth claims that Jesus makes. They're, they're, they're mind blowing. They really are. In this world they're mind blowing. But we would encourage you. Just come hang out. And, and, and check out the claims of Jesus. Investigate. The Bible says taste for yourself. And see the beauty of God. You just personally come and check it out. There were some, some men who were set out to follow Jesus and one of them named Philip went to get a friend. And he went to a friend named Nathaniel and he said this, he said in John 1, he said, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote about Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel said, Can anything come good out of Nazareth? And Philip said, he used the line from Jesus, he said, Come and see. And we, we extend that same invitation to you. If you're kind of guesting with us, visiting with us, looking for a church home, come and see. Come, come, come check out the, the faith that we have in Jesus. If you've been kind of living on the borders, you know, maybe you've been away for a while, it may be time to come back and we would, we would invite you to come and see. Come and see Jesus being lived out here. Now, one of the things we believe is if you come and you see for yourself, your life's going to change. Here's what we believe. We don't believe that trusting Jesus is just, just some blind leap of faith. There's faith involved. But we, we believe it's a thoughtful examination of the facts. That you can, with your mind, you can come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, the resurrected one. So we invite you, come and see just like the, the angel did. Years ago, there's a story of, uh, of a doctor who uh, decided to do a medical mission trip and he went and served uh, in China and he, he was an eye surgeon. And one of the things he did while he was there was he removed um, some uh, cataracts from a man who the cataract was so serious it, it had blinded him. And when the man left there that day, he had been healed. He could see. Um, a few weeks passed and one day on at the clinic doorsteps 48 blind men with cataracts showed up and they showed up they had journeyed 200 miles all of them holding onto a rope being led by guess who the one guy that had received sight he was, he was saying, come and see, come and experience what, what I've experienced. And that would be the invitation that, that we, would, we would give to you. Now, I loved, I, when, I think about, when I think about the angel getting, getting that command from God and saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to earth and you're going to be the one. You're going to run in a couple women. They're going to come, come to the tomb that morning and, and you're going to get to invite them in. I could just, if I was that angel, I, I got a sanctified imagination, by the way. If, if I was that angel, I, I just see him. I bet he was excited. Because he was going to get to, to say to these women, come here and see. And what was he going to show them? Nothing. Come here and let me show you nothing. You know, I came all the way from heaven to show you nothing. And I bet he was just so excited about that. 
But there were a few things I believe that when they looked into the emptiness of that tomb that the women would see that day. I think one of the things that they would see in the emptiness of that tomb was the humility of God. The, the humility of God. That he would come from heaven. He would allow himself to, to, to be hung on a cross and then buried in a, in a borrowed tomb. The, the Lord of all eternity, the Lord of time and space and of the universe would come. Paul writes to the church at Philippi about that. He, he writes these words in Philippians 2 about Jesus. He says he, get, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And he died a criminal's death on the cross. He was buried in a, a, a borrowed tomb. The humility of God. No other religion on the face of the planet has the humiliation of God central to it. And you see the Son of God coming. He comes to enable men to become sons of God. That's, that's why he came. That's what you see when you look in the tomb. The humility of God. You also see the reality of sin. The, the, the reality of sin. You, you, you see what, what sin cost Jesus. What, what it cost God. It killed him. It, it put him in a tomb. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that he died for our sins. Now I know this. Sin is not a popular subject in our culture. In fact, much of our culture in, in, in the Western culture kind of makes jokes, makes likes, mocks and ridicules sin. Yes, sin, right. Just kind of blows it off. Here's something you need to know. Jesus took sin very seriously. He, he took sin very seriously. He left heaven to come to earth to deal with our sin. And he bore, the Bible says, God put on him your sin and mine. He bore it in his body. He became sin for us. He paid the price that we couldn't pay so that we might be made right with God. Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, God inspired him to write these words. Because of our sins, he was wounded. Beaten because of the evil we did. Have you ever watched those who worship in sign language, worship Jesus? I love watching them do sign language and worship Jesus. Do you know what the sign for Jesus is? What is it? Do you know what that's, what that's indicating? His sacrifice. That's his identity. Jesus is identified by his sacrifice. He humbled himself. There's no God like him. A third thing that the women would see when they looked in the empty tomb would be the mortality of man. You know, one of the things that I know when I go to do a funeral and there's an, there's an opening in the ground that the coffin's going to go down into, I know something about that. That that is a glimpse of my future. That's a glimpse of your future. Because... We're all, according to the Bible, we have an appointment. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us this. That it is appointed unto all men and women once to die. It, it's, it's an appointment that we're all going to have. But there's one more thing about that empty tomb when those women looked in that I think they would have seen. 
And that was the victory of Jesus over death. The victory of Jesus. You see the humility of God. You see the reality of sin. It's high cost. You would see the mortality of men. But you would see the victory of Jesus. You would come to understand that it was a payment. So that because his body got out of the ground. Yours will one day. That's what the, the scripture teaches. And the, the angel said come. Come on in. Come let me show you nothing. It is the best nothing on the planet. Best nothing on the planet. You remember in, in Matthew 28, the angel said, he's not here. You can't find him. He, he's gone. The angel wanted him to understand he's risen. Now, if you come and you check out, if you really want to see Jesus, one of the things you're going to, to investigate and see real clearly about Jesus is this. He has some incredible credentials. One of Jesus' credentials is this. He's made a greater impact on humanity, on human history than any other person that ever walked the planet. Calendars are adjusted to his presence on this planet. Everything changed when Jesus come. Second thing that you're going to find out about Jesus' credentials is he... He fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. These, these prophets had prophesied hundreds, even thousands of years about the reality of this coming Messiah and Jesus fulfilled them all. And here's the third thing. This is the best credential of all. He conquered death. He killed what kills us. He, he overcame death. I heard a story about uh, a man in North Africa, a Muslim man who had come to, to, to Christ. He, he loved Jesus. Uh, God had powerfully transformed his life. His friends and his family weren't really very excited about what he had done. And so some of them came to him and said, why would you leave Islam for Christianity? And I love the guy's explanation. He said, well, he said, it's kind of like if you're going down a road... And you suddenly, you, you come to a fork in the road. And you don't know which way to go. And there are two men there at the fork in the road. And one guy is dead. And the other guy is alive. Which one are you going to ask directions from? I thought, man, that beautifully just explains what it means to follow Jesus. And friends, that's what we're doing today. We're, we're, we're here gathering to, to get direction from Jesus on how to live life because he's the only one that has lived it ultimately. And we gather, we gather for those of you that know, we gather here weekly to, to hear from Jesus what, what life should be like. The last thing, the last instructions, the last directions that the angel gave was go and tell. Go, go and tell. It's great to come. It's great to come and see and experience. But the angel said, don't stay at the tomb. Don't just stay there. Don't, don't. What the angel was saying is, let your fascination turn into declaration. Go, go out and tell. Now that you have come and you've seen and you've experienced, go, go proclaim what you've seen. See, we have great news. We, we have the best news. We have news worth shouting about. Don't, don't make the tomb of Jesus some religious relic. Don't, don't let it just become some academic pursuit. We, we got to go tell people. And we got to say that message often and we've got to say it loud. We got to let it get louder and louder. But by the time you get to the end of Matthew 28, Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's telling them go. Mark records the experience in Mark 16. He, Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to us. The whole creation. 
Jesus is saying, you should be so excited about the resurrection that you should tell a tree. You know, definitely tell people, but tell the whole creation, shout it out to the whole creation that Jesus is alive. Go tell the world what you've seen. Go tell the world what you've heard, what you've experienced. Tell the world how Jesus is changing your life. Go tell the world that there's an empty tomb. And because of that empty tomb, you have been satisfied in Jesus. And you know that you have an eternity of life with him. Let me kind of boil it all down for just a moment. You need to go. I don't mean right this second. Just give me a minute. Okay. But, but we need to go. If you're a believer in Jesus, you need to go and tell. Because you have a living Savior to proclaim to a dying world. We, we need to go. Of all the people on the earth, the, the men and women of this city, we have the best news story of anybody. And it's not fake news either. It's real news. Jesus, Jesus is alive. But right now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you haven't made that decision, now you may say, well, I believe he exists. Well, that's really good. The Bible says the devil does too. Okay? You don't get extra points for just thinking he exists. Okay? You got you to gotta follow him. You got to come to him and repent of your sins. That means repent of thinking that somehow you can do something to save yourself. Somehow you're going to make things right with God. Somehow that those things that are keeping you from God, you know, you, you, you're going to wipe them out. Well, you're not. Only Jesus can do that. And you have to come to Jesus personally. You have to come. And in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray about coming into the presence of Jesus and inviting him to come and lead your life. See, you've got to have a living Savior because he's the only one that will ever satisfy your dying soul. He's, he's the only one that will do that. And just as the Londoners hear those notes chiming every day of their lives, multiple times a day, I know my Redeemer lives, you need to let all four notes of the resurrection celebration go through your soul. Come see, go tell. I want to close with, with this thought. Um, how many of you are aware that we had a president in the United States named Abraham Lincoln? Sharp group. Okay, good. He was a good president. If you've never read a biography about him, I, I would encourage you to do that. He was, a, he, he was a great, godly man. You may not know this, but 22 years after his burial, they dug his body back up because people were claiming that his body wasn't in the ground, that it had been stolen. So they dug it back up. And guess what? He was still there. He was still there. 17 years later, that rumor got recirculated, just like, you know, those things on the internet do all the time, you know, get recirculated. And so what they, they dug his body back up. One more time. Guess where Abe was? He, was? he was in the very same... You can check all this out online. He was dead. Body, body was still there. Now friends, days after Jesus got up out of the ground, rumors started happening. Same kind of rumors started spreading, you know, that he, he was stolen, but he wasn't. But his body was not in the grave. People went. It was true. He had raised from the dead. No stolen body here. Now, President Lincoln was a great man. He did a lot for our nation. He served this country well. But here's the deal. 
if you got in trouble and you needed help today, Abe can't help you. You can get the shiniest penny with his image on it and you can get those, you can get two of them, rub them together. Help me, Abe! Help me, Abe! Abe can't help you. Because he is still in the ground. Now here's the deal. A bunch of people came and witnessed Abe being in the coffin still. And you know what they did? They came and they saw and they went and they told Abe's still in the ground. Here's the deal. If you need help today with living life, if you need help today with just getting through today and maybe through the next day, if you need a touch from God, the only way that you're going to get help in this life and help out of this life is with Jesus Christ. Buddha can't help you. Muhammad, Muhammad can't help you. Jesus Christ is the only one who rose from the dead. And the Bible says if you call on his name saying, Jesus, I hear your invitation to come and I come. I come, Jesus. The Bible says he will come to you and he will change your life. He will give you eternal life if you will come with a repentant heart saying, Jesus, I realize my sin put you on the cross. Jesus, I am turning from my sin and my own choosing to be the ruler of my life. And just like the two that we baptized said, Jesus is my Lord. Just like Hayden Isaac said, he's my Lord. If you were to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. All you got to do is come to him. Tell him that now. Most of us are believers. And the task that we have before us is to go and tell. Let's pray together. Father, I, I thank you for this incredible, wonderful group of people that you have gathered today. I thank you, God, that you have made our celebration of the resurrection so incredible because, Jesus, you conquered death. The greatest enemy that we have, you, you took him out. And because of that, Lord, I pray that you would let us know we don't have to be afraid of anything. If death is conquered, we can live boldly. We can live unashamedly. Jesus, if you're still alive, then that means you have the power to change life today for anyone. And so I pray, Jesus, today for anyone that has heard for the very first time your invitation that they can come to you. That they would do that now, right where you're at. Jesus is saying to you, come. Come to me. I know you're worn out by life. I know you've been beaten up by this world. I know relationships are broken. I know you're in pain. Jesus says, come. Come to me if you're heavy laden. Come to me if you're burdened down. Come. And I'll show you how to rest while living in this world. Jesus says, come. And right where you're at, all you have to do to come to Jesus is just is, is say that word, Jesus, I come. I come bringing you myself, as messed up as I am, sin and all, I come to you, Jesus. And I'm asking you now to come and be Lord of my life. I give myself to you. Others of us, what we need to do this morning is recommit ourselves. Those of us who have made that decision to follow Jesus, we need to recommit ourselves to be people who gather weekly 
to learn how to live the Jesus life. But then every week we go out and we tell. We tell the story that he's risen. We tell the story that he's changed my life. We go and we tell because we have come and we have seen the beauty of Jesus, the risen one. Jesus, we come now to worship you. We come to give back to you that which is yours, your tithes. We come to bring you offering. We come to bring you ourselves, Lord Jesus. We come to thank you to celebrate your resurrection and the life we can have in you. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 11.30 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.